grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. Hope everybody's had had a great day today. We're going to have a good evening, too. Uh, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. And I am also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of sa- sunny Sacramento right now. Wasn't like that last week. But sunny Sacramento, California. We are 35 strong, actually, up and down the state of California, which means if you need help with anything paranormal, we have people in almost every county. And if we don't, they can go two, three counties over to, to help you guys out. And we do it for free, nonprofit. We just want to educate people about the paranormal. So welcome to the show tonight. we got a really great guest tonight. Somebody I've been wanting to have on for a long time. Somebody I admire. And that would be Reverend Bill Bean. And I'm going to, you know, when it's time for him to come up, I want to let him tell you about himself. Because you guys know, know how I am. But uh, I want to welcome everybody. If you're watching from, if you're new and you haven't seen the show before and you're watching from YouTube, please subscribe. We've got almost 260 videos over there. All different topics. We've been doing the show in this format for about a year, almost two years. But we've also been doing the show uh, in the past. We, we have about 12 years under our belt doing this show via Blog Talk Radio. So that you can access from our website at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. All those shows are there. But I want to welcome everybody. I'm excited. I'm excited to have our guest on. And uh, you know what? Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring Bill on in. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. And it's been a long time coming. And I apologize for the times that we had uh, something scheduled. And then, unfortunately, cases came my way and I couldn't do it. But I'm glad to be here now. I am so excited. I remember seeing you on, uh, it wasn't Dr. Phil. It was the, the other doctor, the other dude. Uh, there's so many of them. Uh, yeah, let's see which guy is it's the, it's the, the, the health doctor. I was surprised to see you on there. And that was a long time ago. I mean, that was before COVID yeah. and all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I It's just amazing, uh, Charlotte. It really is. I, I praise God for everything. And, and when I say that, I mean it. Um, I, I'm not some Bible thumper that hits people over the head with the Bible and scriptures all the time. But I do praise God. And I say praise God a lot. And I mean it because God has worked miracles in my life, uh, a miracle of transformation to where he uh, took me from victim to victor and now works through me to help people. Um, God has worked through me to help people in 52 countries, including America, and from every part of America that you can imagine, Sacramento is probably my favorite place in California. I've been there many times. I love it. Um, and it's just miraculous that it, and 20, probably 2,500 interviews now worldwide and continuing. Mm-hmm. And that in itself, when I have moments of reflection, I just can't believe it because my life was so cursed. My life was so hopeless and helpless. Um, my family was destroyed by demonic forces. I was nearly destroyed as well. And then I made the greatest decision in my entire life. And that was to make God first in my life. And when I did that, it was a process. It was two steps forward and three steps backward. But once I got there and that transformation took place, then God put a calling on my life 
I didn't choose to do this work. God chose me to do it. And I am nothing special. You would never, ever hear me claim to be anything special. I'm just a man that God works through. And I have to tell you, God has worked through me to do extraordinary things for people from all over the world. And I can never thank him and praise him enough for that. I was going to say, you know, one just doesn't wake up in the morning and decide that they're going to be uh, the, you know, demonologist to, to go fight evil. I mean, you have to, there are steps to have to get that to that point, right? It was a calling. And, and I have to tell you, I ignored that calling for quite a while because I felt unworthy. I thought, God, you must have a sense of humor because how could someone like me be a help to anyone? I had such a low opinion of myself from all of the suffering and the torment and the abuse, uh, being physically abused by demonic forces, my family and I, especially my mother, who suffered more than any other person I've ever seen in my life. You know, we were regularly physically abused by demonic forces. So we were beaten down and uh, nearly destroyed in mind, body, and spirit. So when you're that beaten down, you don't have a good feeling about yourself, a good opinion about yourself. And you certainly I felt like there's no way that I could be um, a help or a blessing to anyone. So it took me probably a year before I started realizing that this was a real and authentic calling that God was putting on my life. And in the beginning, I guess the first interview I did uh, was probably in 1995 or 1996. And, you know, back then I was just sharing my story, talking about my experiences. But then after the calling took place, then, you know, things changed and I started doing uh, episodes of A Haunting. Um, then I wrote my first book, Dark Force. Uh, that was, I believe, in 2006, I want to say. The A Haunting episode aired September 7, 2006. And I think the, uh, the A Haunting, uh, I mean, the Dark Force book, followed that uh, probably late 2006, early 2007. And I've written uh, eight other books since then. So I've written nine books. My latest book is called Purge. But what a journey, Charlotte, to come from being a victim of all that. And I had a horrendous childhood where I lived in fear uh, throughout most of my childhood and going into my teen years and even going into my adult years because I was still having... Uh, supernatural experiences then mm -hmm. but um again once i decided that i was going to make god first god sent jesus christ yahshua jesus the christ into my life and things began to change but it was a process but once i got there then i really fully understand understood why god was calling me because god works through the people that have been there I could be the greatest mind in the world and the greatest scholar in the world. And if I walk into someone's home, never having or never have had a paranormal supernatural experience myself, how in the world do we relate? We can't. There's no way to bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. So in having these types of sufferings and experiences that I've had, people can trust me because they know that I have been there. So that brings us together. And when a person has experienced a high level of trauma, they don't like to talk about it and they don't trust people. Mm -hmm. So um, God knows what he's doing. And that's why he called me to do this work. And I have to tell you, it's the greatest feeling in the world for me to know that God actually worked through me to help someone, to free them from evil and to help them to move forward, to go on and have 
uh, a wonderful rest of their life after that. Why do you think your family was chosen to be attacked by, by, by demonic forces? For several reasons. One, I was told after I'd written Dark Force, uh, I was told by family, I have very little family left. Most of my family is gone. Neither of my parents lived to see the age of 50. Uh, and many family members died of mysterious and tragic circumstances uh, throughout the years. Uh, I was told by a family member that two members of the family, as far back as 100 years ago or more, uh, invoked, did some type of uh, summoning and invoked and invited these demonic forces in. I can believe it because, again, uh, both sides of the family, you know, my mother's side and my father's side, uh, mm -hmm. suffered many tragedies. And um, furthermore, I feel that evil was already manifest and in place to where we were going to move to in that community. And I feel that my parents were led there to be a part of or be in the middle of this all-out assault on the family from these demonic forces that wanted absolute destruction. So, and thirdly, in really examining this for what it is now and, and for how God works through me, I also believe that the, perhaps, and again, I'm not saying that I'm anything special, God assigns tasks and callings to different individuals for different things. And I do believe it is possible that God had this as part of a plan for me, even before I came into this world, that he would work through me to help people. And if that's true, then uh, the devil probably knew that and was going to do anything possible to stop that from happening. Makes sense. So there's three, uh, and there, there could be more, but uh, I, I truly believe it. And so whatever the case may be, it was hell on earth for a while, that's for sure. But God did win in the end, and he's winning now. Every time he works for me to help somebody, he's winning, and I praise him for it. But uh, to give you a little info on how this began, my family and I uh, moved into a three-bedroom ranch-style home located in Glen Burnie, Maryland, in a community called Herondale. And the house was located at the bottom of a downhill cul-de-sac and it had a very large and deep ravine that stretched several miles behind it. And um, the house was semi-dilapidated. My father, William Bean Sr., was a master carpenter contractor, and he saw it as a restoration project, and that's exactly what he did. My mother, Patricia Bean, she was a homemaker, and they were married in 1956. My sister uh, was born in 1957. Uh, another child was born in 1963, and that child died under mysterious circumstances. He didn't live for very long, and I don't know the specifics, and I've tried for years to get to the story. And some family members, they say they don't remember. They just don't want to talk about it. Um, what I do know for sure is that a child was born. It was a male child and didn't live for very long. And what I also know for sure is that representatives of Johns Hopkins Hospital came to the home to retrieve that body for studies. Now, whatever that means, I do not know, but something took place there. Mm -hmm. And I was born in 1966 and my brother was born in 1969. So, um, you know, here we move into this house. The house had a very ominous look and feel about it from the very beginning. 
I was four years old when we moved there. My sister was 13 and we were frightened. Our first, you know, standing there looking at it from, uh, from the street, you know, facing it. And we were just frightened and you would walk inside, uh, into the, in through the front door, into the living room, which was very dark. The house had dark brown paneling on the walls, looked almost black in color. And uh, the house was always very dark. And when evil is present, you can feel um, pressure. Sometimes the ears will ring. Um, you can uh, just, uh, there's a heaviness in the air. The air is very thick and heavy. Um, sometimes you could smell terrible odors of sulfur or feces or something that smells like rotten eggs or meat. I mean, these are all telltale signs of a demonic presence and all those things uh, were there and manifested taking place on a regular basis. And um, you would walk in to the living room and then make a right down a long hallway that had a hard tile floor. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we would be in bed at night and hear footsteps coming down that hallway. And it sounded like boots or hard soled shoes reverberating off of the paneling on, on the walls there. And my brother and I shared the first room on the right. My parents' room was the second room on the right. And my sister's room was across the hallway, the last room on the left. And I believe that was the main portal in the home. And I think that that portal, the main portal was located in her closet. And it was tied into the linen closet at the end of the hallway. Uh, many times you would see uh, uh, manifestations of entities that would walk th right through those doors at the end of the hallway into that linen closet and also balls of light. And I detail that and talk about it uh, mm -hmm. in my book, Dark Force, sure. and then the uh, Dark Force Revisited Anniversary uh, Edition. And so I mentioned that information in there. But I have no doubt. Uh, Charlotte, that that was the main portal in the house. And there were other portals there as well. But uh, my mom was the first to have an experience uh, there. And it took place when she was unpacking and organizing. My dad had taken us with him for the day mm -hmm. to give my mother space and peace to be able to uh, unpack and organize. And it was during the course of that, that she felt a presence come into the room she thought that it was my dad sneaking back in to play a joke on her and she spun around and was shocked to see that there was nothing there or no one or nothing there and she was absolutely unnerved and perplexed as well you know how in the world uh, could she have that feeling and then spin around anticipating on seeing my dad and then no one is there um so eventually she was able to collect herself and go back to what she was doing and then my sister's bedroom door slammed shut by itself. And that was enough to make her go outside and wait until we returned. And that's where it started. And then it continuously uh, uh, escalated and, and gradually as well uh, into eventually into violent physical attacks on us by these demonic entities that absolutely uh, contributed to the destruction of my family. What is the difference between... A, a, a demonic entity and a regular i'm not gonna say regular ghost because i mean there's not the, the you know there's not a regular ghost but i mean how can you tell the difference between you know a, a demonic and say uncle bob coming back from from beyond well when something divine is present you will get uh, 
Now, you could be fearful at first, but you will have a knowing, and that is through spiritual discernment, mm -hmm. to know and feel the goodness and love and protection coming from that um, divine being. Um, I have had many encounters with angels, mm -hmm. many divine beings, and I'm so thankful for that. And the difference, again, is day and night. So you will feel love, you will feel comfort, you will feel peace, um, you will feel protection. And sometimes a voice will say, fear not, for I have been sent by God to you. Um, but when it's the other way around, you will feel fear, a heaviness. Uh, I have been in situations where I felt like my life was being threatened. Um, and then the physical aspect that comes with that, you know, attacks. Uh, I've suffered so many physical attacks from demonic entities, you know, throughout my childhood uh, over the years. It's just unfathomable to think about. And I'm so far removed from it. It's like it happened to somebody else. But when I go back and revisit some of these things, it's just absolutely unfathomable. So uh, literally day and night and in, in the day you feel the goodness, but in the night you feel all those things that are negative and you just know through spiritual discernment that it is not good mm -hmm. and deception takes place as well. So in my cases, mm -hmm. and I've had many cases uh, all over the world where people were possessed and God worked through me to deliver them some of those entities would try and have a dialogue with me. I don't have a dialogue. The only dialogue that I have with demons is to bind, rebuke, cast them out. And there have been times that I would say silence uh, by the mighty power of Yahweh and his mighty and holy name in Jesus name. I command you to be silent and I bind and rebuke you and cast you out. That is the only dialogue. I would never sit there and engage uh, in a dialogue and conversation with a demon. Why? Because they're liars, like their father, the devil. He's the original liar. So how in the world uh, can you have any dialogue thinking that you're getting one ounce of truth from some, some type of entity like that? It's a farce to think that. Furthermore, if a person is engaging in that type of dialogue, they are opening themselves up wide for demonic attack. And that's exactly what they want. They want to, to draw that agent of God in to launch their attack and try to destroy them. Are there people that um, inadvertently do it, you know, call something in without realizing it? Yes. And that is uh, knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly. So that does fall in the unknowing and unwilling category but invoking just the same because mm -hmm. of what might have been said okay and once something like that takes place it's going to require someone like me god working through me or whoever that agent of god is to come along and bind and rebuke cast out and evict whatever evil has manifested and this is very, very dangerous, Charlotte, now more so than ever before, you know, because of the times that we're living in, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, utter chaos is taking place in America and the world. And this is all by design, by the way. Um, God is, in my opinion, God is allowing the devil to have this short time to create as much suffering and torment on this earth as possible.
But the good news is a great and terrible day is coming and God is going to have an answer for this and woe to them that are in league with the devil creating all these problems because God is going to set his face against them and it is not going to be pretty. So um, this is why we must endure. I don't I, I, I don't tell people what to do because I can't tell people what to do because right. we all have free will. Right. Uh, what I can do is tell you what I do and how I go about my life and how God blesses me because I draw as close to him as I possibly can. Therefore, he draws even closer to me. Am I perfect? No way. Would I ever claim that? No way. Never. But I'm honest and I try to be as good as I can be in each and every day. I'm not perfect. I fail just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And nobody is perfect on this earth. We're all going to make mistakes. And if I do something that is not pleasing God, then I get on my knees and I confess that before him and ask him for forgiveness and a blessing always follows that. So uh, it's all about being real, mm -hmm. being real with God and being real with yourself and having that real and authentic relationship with God. And I am a living, breathing example and miracle from God that he can make changes in people in the very and very worst and from the very worst of situations and circumstances and turn that around for his good. It's just amazing. It's utterly amazing. Well, I can tell you from experience, I know we, we had a case out in Rockland where we went in and you know, you, when you interview people, they tend not to tell you the whole story. Yeah. Of what's going on in their house. Mm -hmm. And the only dark thing that they told us about was there was like an animal or something that was running through and they thought it was one of their deceased animals. And I thought, okay, fine. So we do this, we go out to do the case and you could hear stuff banging around in the bedrooms, mm. open the door. There's everything's where it's supposed to be, but you could hear stuff banging around. Right. Yeah. And I thought, okay, we'll just start our investigation and all this and that they came back about midway through the investigation and he, he looked at me and he laughed and he says, Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you something. And I said, well, what? He said, well, I, I was in my laundry room and something tore the dryer door off its hinges and sent it across the room. At that point, I called everybody out and I said, you know what? We're in over our heads. Yeah. You're talking about an evil force there it, that is bent on destruction. Anything that can have that much strength to, to pull something off like that. Mm -mm. And, and so if an entity has that type of power behind it, well, then it certainly has the power to launch physical attacks on people as well yeah yeah so i pulled everybody out and Good we brought somebody you. in to take care of it because i was just like no we're not getting hurt over all this no and that's what happens and i've dealt i can't tell you how many people in my career that were um and still are you know paranormal investigators people that got into situations like that and then guess what happened an attachment came on them yeah and their lives became a living hell and um then they called me and God worked through me to help them. But uh, mm -hmm. I have seen some people that were, some were close to suicide because they were suffering that greatly and just beaten down so quickly. And the dark cloud was over their head and one bad thing after another was happening and it was overwhelming to them. And there are teams that don't think anything of it. You know, they'll go out and try to challenge stuff. It's insane. It's insane to go out and try and challenge it. And Be careful for what you uh, ask for and wish for. That's all I could say. And I didn't know what really to say to the client. Like, on one hand, I was angry because they weren't forthright 
you know, to tell yeah. me this before. Put you guys in danger. Yeah, I put my people in danger or to feel bad for the client because this stuff's been going on and they obviously they were scared, you know. So I just did it nicely and I said, look, you know, we're in over our heads. I'm going to make a couple phone calls. We'll get somebody out here that, that, that can deal with this kind of thing. That was a very wise decision and thank God uh, you and your team were okay. Yeah, but I, I have, uh, as a spiritual warrior, exorcist, deliverance minister, throughout my career, I have been in many life-threatening situations where people wanted to shoot me, stab me, slash me, uh, bite me, um, hit me, you name it. You just wouldn't, but you'd have to be there to see it with your own eyes. To, and God protected me through every situation. Thank, uh, thank you, man, praise him for it. But I have been in some really, really dangerous situations throughout my career. How do you go in and and start, and, you know, how do you prepare? Because I know the Catholic priest, you know, they'll, they have their own preparation before they go in and take something on. What's your preparation, you know, like? Fasting and uh, just, again, drawing as close to God as I possibly can. And uh, mm -hmm. I do a lot of reading and uh, certainly a lot of biblical studies. I continue to do that. I've been doing that for many years. But I, I also uh, fill myself and try on a regular basis, try to fill myself with God's goodness, uh, with his word. And I, my mind is like a sponge. So I never, the, the, the worst thing a person could do is think that they know it all. Um, we don't know it all. And I'm always seeking to learn more. And so I try to read one book a week, sometimes two books a week. It just depends on my schedule. I mean, these days I'm so busy. Uh, I'm lucky if I could get one book a week finished. Um, but I try to do that because my mind is always uh, like a sponge and seeking knowledge and knowledge is power and power perceived is power achieved. So that's how I live my life. And uh, in preparation for these uh, cases, certainly when it's coming into an exorcism, spiritual deliverance, um, I have to be as close to God as possible mm -hmm. and really, really uh, be at my best in every way. And I'll tell you, just thinking back off the top of my head, before COVID, um, my travel schedule was insane. My schedule's still insane, but most of it is through Skype uh, or Zoom or phone these days. But back then, I was hopping on airplanes a couple times a week, traveling all over the place. And it got so bad that I was so severely burned out from it that I would wake up in hotel rooms going, okay, where am I at right now? What city am I in right now? That's how bad it was getting, you know, to come off one trip and then get ready for the next trip. It was very dangerous because it was hindering my preparation process from one to the next. Mm -hmm. And that put me at risk and, and thank God that he was there to protect me. But I think that's why I found myself to be in some of those life-threatening situations because the devil was trying to take advantage of my lack of sleep um, there were times that I'd before a trip, especially if I had to come out your way out the West coast, I'm in Maryland on the East coast. So if I had to take a trip out to California or out West somewhere, I wouldn't sleep the night before, um, knowing that I had to get up and I would, you know, have a driver waiting for me at like 5.00 AM and I'd have to, uh, you know, go and be driven to the airport and then the long flight, uh, five and a half hour flight out there. Right. Uh, or more if you're going to your area or towards the uh, Pacific Northwest. Um, and then you so now you're facing jet lag, no sleep, jet jet lag. 
And then I would go to a hotel, get a shower, uh, maybe try and take a nap for an hour or so, and then get back up, start the preparation process, and then go to that individual or family that evening. And oftentimes, uh, if I arrived there at six o'clock, you know, there'd be times I wouldn't get out of there until three or four in the morning or even later. Um, just and, and then after that, there were times, again, thinking off the top of my head, helping a family, leaving their house at three o'clock, driving maybe an hour back to the hotel, getting a shower, changing my clothes, packing up and going right to the airport to catch a flight back home so I could get back and get prepared for the next trip. Just mm. absolutely. It couldn't do it under normal circumstances. So a normal human being could not endure that type of schedule, not for very long, not until, you know, a heart attack or a stroke right. or something would come from that. But God kept me protected. And I did that for years, Charlotte, uh, before COVID came. Uh, I did that for at least five or six years straight. It was like being on a never ending concert tour. And um, the only way that I could do that would be through the power of God. There's no other way. I had a couple of questions in the chat room, which kind of links into what I was going to say next. As a paranormal investigator, I was taking care of my, uh, my elderly mother for years. And that was my big concern was going out to these things and something follows me home. Yeah. You know, then it starts coming after my mother or whatever. How do you protect your family at home when you're on location? Well, what you have, for me, what I do, and this is every day of my life, I have, uh, this is part of my relationship with God. So when I wake up, the first thing that I do when I open my eyes is I thank God and praise God for the day. Life is a gift. We are not promised tomorrow. So we should thank him and praise him for every day. And for those who say that God doesn't work miracles, I beg to differ because he works a miracle for us every day when we open our eyes. It's a miracle of life. So that's the first thing I do. And then I get on my knees and pray. That's how I start my day every day. And then I keep a dialogue with God throughout the day. And then I say uh, specific prayers, which are in my books and also on my website, BillJBean.com, a spiritual warfare prayer that I say every single day without fail and a daily victory prayer. I declare victory in each and every day of my life, and I will do so for the rest of my life. And I also have seven declarations that are to be said every day and 10 steps to live by. And if a person... A, decides that they want to apply this to their life. Again, it's all win-win stuff, Charlotte. There's no losing in it. I am a living, breathing miracle and example of how one's life can be changed. Because I have to tell you, you know, after we left that house, two tragedies occurred very quickly after that. My uh, beloved grandmother, Dora Harvey, died from a sudden series of heart attacks at age 64. Mm -hmm. And then two months later, my beloved mother, Patricia Bean, died from a cerebral hemorrhage at age 44. These were the two closest people to, my, to me in my life. You know, my father left home when I was nine years old. And so uh, my mother and grandmother, they were the two closest people to me. They were suddenly gone. And I was so devastated by that that I really didn't want to live anymore. So I spent a good portion of my life after that seeking death, living my life on the edge, seeking death because I didn't want to be here anymore. So God took, came and took and transformed a person that didn't want that gift of life mm -hmm. and made those miraculous changes into a life now that's so blessed 
I wouldn't trade my life with anybody's life on this planet. So that's what God can do. And um, so for me, I must stay as close to God as I possibly can. So I have that set way of having my relationship with him each and every day without fail. And there have been times that I've been so tired coming back from a case and, and getting home from a trip and I would get a shower and what would I do? I wouldn't go to bed. I'd sit in front of the computer and start answering messages because if I don't constantly answer the messages, they pile up to the ceiling, you know? So I try to stay on top of that. But there were times that I actually fall asleep at the computer while doing that, but then wake up and make sure that I said that spiritual warfare prayer before going to bed. So I am steadfast in my routine and in my relationship with God, unwavering, unfailing. It is the same in each and every day. So that is my best advice is to um, really solidify your relationship with God and, mm -hmm. and stay committed in that way. Because if you do, then God will keep a covering over you. So no matter where you go or what you do, God will have angels there to protect you. And for those of you out there, if you want to get copies of my books, visit BillJBean.com. You can order from there. If you cannot afford it, then send an email to me. You can email me from directly from the site, and I'll send you a free internet PDF copy. Cool, cool, cool. Question in the chat room. Is prayer and declaration info in your books and websites? Yes, yes. And and uh, in my most recent book, Purge, which I have to tell you, uh, Charlotte, you know, that's my ninth book. And I think it's my favorite book because it's so powerful. And um, I really didn't even have any intentions of writing the book, but then God put it on me. When he puts an idea in my head, I know it's from him. And then I obey that and I go right to work. And that's what I did. I went to work on it. And that book, uh, in the beginning, it, I talk about my life and how you know bad it was and uh, how we're talking right now and how God made these changes, uh, these miraculous transformations for me. And we also cover depression, grief, addiction. Um, I have suffered from depression, obviously, from the circumstances that took place in life. Not anymore, praise God. Um, and grief, again, from losing so many loved ones. Um, and the addiction aspect, I was nearly there. I was a drinker and a very heavy drinker at one time. Used drugs, grew up on the streets. Um, hung out with the worst of the worst people. Most of those people are dead or in prison now, and I could have very easily have been there myself. Mm -hmm. So I put in that book everything that I had gone through and experienced and how God saved me and, and gave advice in each and every one of those areas on how to combat these things. And the number one way to combat it all is through and by the power of God. Those are not words. Those are words to live by and survive by. And so I'm very proud of that book out of the, the nine books. It's my favorite book because I feel it's the most powerful book out of all of them. And I've got so many great reviews from that book. And some people have uh, sent reviews saying that it changed their life and things of that nature. Oh, praise God. I'm so happy for that. Again, that God worked through me to be able to put the words right. in the book that would be uh, inspiring and uh, a type of a motivational uh, type of way for these people that they can move forward. So, again, if you're out there and you're having these types of problems and you can't afford to buy Purge or any of my books, 
then just send an email to me, email me from the site and I will respond and I will respond by attaching a free internet PDF copy for you. Awesome. Awesome. Um, did you notice an uptick, uh, you know, in, in your cases, because the TV shows, you know, the TV shows really like to focus on, you know, it used to be, you know, when Ghost Hunters first came out, it wasn't evil, it wasn't this, it wasn't that. But the other shows came out, and then that's all they want. I mean, when, when we get calls or emails for, you know, what do you have for us? Do you have anything for us? It's always got to be dark, and you know, it's always got to be a yeah. dark nature. Did you notice an uptick in cases when the shows turn that way? Oh, yeah, huge uptick. And, um, you know, my cases this year probably doubled to, to most of the years. I mean, I've noticed this increase over the last several years. But this year, uh, and again, I think because of the things that are taking place in America and the world and, and those shows as well, uh, some of those shows can contribute to that. And here's another thing that we have to be very aware of and very careful of. Yes, I, I've been on many of those TV shows. I've, uh, they're probably still showing me on the A Haunting thing. I'm the only uh, person in the history of the A Haunting series to have a reoccurring role. And they first covered my personal story, which mm -hmm. aired on September 7, 2006. Um, and since then, I've gone on to be in, I don't know, eight or nine other episodes uh, based on my case files. And the most recent one is uh, Deliverance in Chicago, the Nuno family, a wonderful family out of Chicago that had some serious demonic problems that got worked through me uh, to go there and to help them and to free them from that. But um, we have to be careful because Satan is the prince and the power of the air, which also means the airwaves. So we've got to be very careful. And uh, here's a bit of advice for those of you who watch these shows. If you're turning it on, uh, whatever, if it's travel channel or whatever, just say, I sealed, I declare this portal sealed by the mighty power of Yahweh in Jesus name. I declare this portal sealed and just make a fist in front of it, declare it to be closed. And that way nothing can come through because those entities can come through mm -hmm. the frequencies because all life operates on frequency and vibration. So when God, Yahweh is his name, listed 6,823 times in the Bible, replaced with the title of Lord. So wherever you see Lord in caps, that should say Yahweh. Anyway, he is the creator of the universe and everything. And when he spoke the world into existence, he did so by frequency and vibration, the frequency and vibration of his voice. So that carries on throughout the universe that all life operates on frequency and vibration. The devil knows this, and he tries to manipulate those frequencies and vibrations in order to get in to send those demons in to create destruction on people. Absolutely. What about tools like Ouija boards? If people are messing with that stuff. It's part of an invocation invitation. So if you were doing that, I would strongly suggest that you don't do it because you're giving the devil legal rights. So um, the devil can go to God and say, I could be in this person's life because of this and this and this, and God will allow it because of free will, which gave the devil a legal right to be there. So be very careful. Very and careful. the same goes with drinking, drug abuse, um, pornography, um, 
any of these types of things, anything that is a defilement and unclean, you got to be very, very careful because you're opening a doorway and giving a legal right to the enemy to send those demons in. Now, what are the stages of, uh, 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 sorry, my mouth is want to work right for some reason. Okay. What, what are the stages to an, an encounter with a demon in your house? You know, well, are there certain steps that, things that you, that you have to look for? Oh, absolutely. And, I, and I'm going to read some to you right now. Number one is the feeling of presence. Absolutely. I mean, and here, this is on my website, by the way, the warning signs of demonic oppression, possession, or attack. Uh, usually, not in all my cases, but in a good number of my cases, the attack is initiated in childhood because uh, the, the child has been sexually abused or molested. And so that created a high level of trauma which obviously the perpetrator of the wicked and heinous act is demon-filled, obviously. But when the victim has uh, gone to such a high level of trauma through this wicked and heinous act, then these mind fractures come in. And mm -hmm. it's also fractures in the spirit that these demonic entities will come onto the victim because secretions of blood and fluids are coming out of the pineal and adrenal glands. There's a drug called adrenochrome um, on the black market. And that's what that is. And demons are, are attracted to that. They love it. They eat it up like candy and they will stay on a person until someone like me comes along by the power of God working through them to evict them. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, that's the number one thing is a high level of trauma. And that could even go for, I've had some cases to where uh, women were raped or violently assaulted, you know, in their adult years. Uh, so anything that has created a high level of trauma uh, will have those demons to cling and attach to a person. Um, and second, we just, you just mentioned it, you know, Ouija boards and invoking and inviting um these demonic spirits to come in three a fascination with the occult and and dark ways you got to be very very careful and and again there's a center line to walk a fine line in the center that we are to walk and navigate through mm -hmm. uh if we veer too far one way or the other we're going to be in trouble so we've got to stay on that narrow center line moving forward um for deep depression, being withdrawn from family and friends. The devil loves that because that's right out of his playbook, divide and conquer. Um, five, sudden fits of rage, hatred, anger, uh, evil thoughts, uh, evil dreams. Demons do attack people at times in their dreams. Um, these are demons of the night and morning that will come and try and create a variety of damage because the person is vulnerable. They're sleeping. So another technique that you can use out there, and I do this myself, is when you're sleeping, visualize eight giant warrior angels surrounding you in your bed. Um, three on your side, three on the other side, and two at the foot of the bed. And have that visualization, and you will have good and peaceful sleep. Another thing that is very effective is to say that spiritual warfare prayer before bed every single night. That way you're invoking the power of God over you as you sleep. And therefore, you're no longer vulnerable because you have God's covering on you.
Um, six, hearing voices, seeing manifestations and, uh, and having the evil dreams that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, seven, listening to uh, satanic music, music that is, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be advertised as satanic. It could be, you know, a lot of today's pop music is absolutely satanic to the core. And some of those performers make no bones about who they are and who they serve. And so if you're taking that kind of stuff in, you are opening yourself up wide for demonic attack. Um, step eight or, or eight, eighth on the list, suddenly developing superhuman strength. And that comes through possession. Uh, mm -hmm. Nine, becoming physically abusive and having no memory of harming others again through possession. Um, Ten, wanting to sleep all the time. Uh, Eleven, abusing drugs and alcohol. That is the spirit of pharmakia. Um, wanting to keep the 12, wanting to keep the home in the room very dark all the time. There are some places I've gone where people painted the walls black. They put stuff on the windows to make it all black. So the, the rooms were pitch black. Um, st uh, step 13, cruelty to animals. Uh, 14, feeling cursed. And 15, wanting nothing to do with God and or Jesus. So that is wow. just 15. There's others, but, you know, that's that's 15 examples of, uh, you know, how a person and if a person is exhibiting some of these types of signs, then they need help. Wow, wow, wow. Here's a question from Athena. During a two-year exorcism of my infested land and house, those involved were beset by constant bedevilment and delays in helping me, even though they were even though they were prayed up totally. It took many sessions and two years. Sometimes it does. And uh, I've seen cases, and I've had clients to where uh, I've had to go back three and four times because sometimes it's a process. And it's even in my own case, it was two steps forward, three steps backward until right. I got there. And, and the reason for that mm -hmm. is that we develop behavioral patterns and they're very difficult to break. It's just like a person who says, oh, I want to stop smoking. I want to stop drinking. I want to stop drugging. I want to lose weight, whatever it is. It's very difficult, not impossible, but difficult because you've already established a behavioral pattern. And so through those behavioral patterns and habits, uh, you'll continue to do that. And sometimes unconsciously because you're just used to doing it. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. And so it requires a, a titanic effort to A, be aware and B, say, no, I'm not a victim anymore. I'm a victor. And that's okay. what I tell people. I was a victim. Yes, not anymore. I am a victor. And, and another thing I say to people is I, I'd say, look, I want your new mantra to be not anymore. Yes, you were there, but no, you are not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to be there because you're going one way, you are moving forward. And so it's all about developing that mindset I call warrior mode, which is living in faith, strength, and courage. And it's easier said than done. But once you get there, you'll go, wow, I can't believe, you know, how my life has changed and how, uh, you know, I used to expect the worst and, and just really live in that and myself included mm -hmm. to where you just take it in stride because, oh, well, that's just life. Life sucks. And, you know, that's what it is. It's this day is going to suck or whatever. Well, you've just invoked it. 
you've just invoked it and declared that you're going to have a terrible day and these terrible things are going to come in. You just gave them a legal right to be there because you've accepted it. I say, no, don't accept that. You can go above that. That garbage does not need to be in your life for one second. So you can rise above that by the power of God and move forward in a great way and go on to have a great and wonderful and blessed life. Doesn't mean that your life becomes perfect. That that would be a lie. You know, we all have a set of issues and challenges in life. That's life. But what mm -hmm. it does mean is that when a challenge or situation comes along, God will be there. God has made a way for me so many times in my life where there didn't seem to be a way. He made a way. And so if he would do that for me, he'll do it for anybody. Absolutely. And that's what I call warrior mode, faith, strength, and courage. Here's another question. We're cursing at an evil relative's grave. Open the door. Well, it's not good. That's for sure. Because, you know, you want to, and, and in my 10 steps to victory, one of those is forgiveness. And forgiveness is every bit as much for us as it is for the person that we're forgiving. Mm -hmm. And so if we hold on to hatred and bitterness towards someone, we can't move forward because we are imprisoned by that. So we have to break those shackles and chains and say, look, I forgive that person. doesn't mean that you have to go back and be lovey-dovey with them again or whatever, or even talk to them again. But what it does mean is that you are releasing them from your life and you are no longer going to harbor that type of hatred to them to where they don't, they will not have any more power over your life because you're letting it go and you're moving forward. So, yeah, if you're standing there and cursing at a deceased, uh, you know, loved one or whatever, that's not a good idea. Another question is um, how surrounded on two sides by abandoned cemetery, apparitions, shadow people, etc. cemetery caused it does. Do you believe, sir, that demons reside in cemeteries? Some can because they uh, they want to reside in the dark places. So when I'm in a home, after I perform an exorcism or spiritual deliverance, and, and oftentimes after that, I perform a baptism over the person. Um, so after that is all, and then I sit down with them, and here's where I become a counselor and a life coach. We've got to put together a plan for them in moving forward the do's and the don'ts for the rest of their life that will keep them in a positive place and moving forward to where they don't revert back to some of those mm -hmm. old ha habits and patterns. So once that's done, then I have to go through the entire home uh, in all of the dark places, the basements, the attics, the closets, everywhere. Mm -hmm. And bind and rebuke and cast out any and every demon that might be hiding or lurking there. So they want to cling to the dark places because they don't want to be seen as part of deeds of darkness. So they want to be in the shadows. They want to be in the darkness. They don't want to be exposed. Mm -hmm. So it is my job as an agent for God, by the power of God working through me, to bind, rebuke, cast out, and evict all of these things to make sure that when I leave that person or family, that they're okay and they're going to be okay and their land is okay. So I say a land blessing. That's the first thing I do. Okay. When I arrive on scene, as I say, a land blessing and um, bind and rebuke and cast out any uh, demons that may be in or around the land. Um, all wickedness, bloodshed, transgressions, curses, hexes, vexes, spells that may be on the land. So we address that first thing. And then I go inside the home and uh, say several prayers there. I anoint everyone's head with a holy mixture that I have. 
And um, so after I say those prayers, including a house blessing prayer, then we sit down and then I want to know everything that's going on. And they tell me, you know, everything that's taking place. Mm-hmm. And then once I know, because that's part of the process as well, by the person or persons telling me what's taking place. And I mean, back to childhood, uh, then we're getting it up and out and off. And as this is coming up and out and off, it is breaking every stronghold, every uh, chain that is tied to that person is just snapping it. And so all the legal rights that the devil has of this person, they're being broken one by one by the person telling me what has taken place. Mm-hmm. And once we get everything up and out at all, then I can engage those spiritual, uh, those demons in spiritual warfare, binding, rebuking, casting out and evicting them from the person. And again, from the home and the property, I do that one last final clean sweep through the home, uh, binding and rebuking and casting out. And so, uh, and then another thing that I do is I go around and I anoint the home, uh, making the sign of the cross over every doorway, over every window, touching every electrical outlet, every type of it. Because again, right back to what I said to you about Satan being the prince and the power of the air, Mm -hmm. I anoint all those things. So I try to be thorough and cover all the bases. And like I said, when I leave, I know that I've done everything that I could possibly do by the power of God working through me to make sure that these people are okay. Now, another question I had was that I know um, I've heard with, with Catholic exorcisms that unless unless the person, and I could be wrong, I don't want to you know make any priests angry or anything like that, that the person has to come back to God or to make sure that the person believes in God before anything can be done in the house. Well, I would agree with that. Um, and I have helped people in other countries that were Muslim. Mm-hmm. I have helped people that were into witchcraft. And, and some of those people refused to um, come back to God. But I would have to agree uh, with the Catholic stance on that, that in order to really be free from evil, then you've got to uh, renounce it. And you so... This is another thing that I do uh, as part of the deliverance. I will do what I call covenant renewal with God. And I will say that, you know, this person will make you first and keep you first. And this person renounces Satan and all of his demons and all of his works. And I ask that you forgive this person for anything that they've ever done to upset you in any way. So that is part of the covenant renewal. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that for somebody if they're not really willing to come back to God and and don't want anything so i mean it'll fall flat i mean i'll still do anything that i can to help anybody from all walks of life and i have and i'll continue to do so but i would agree with that stance that um it's of the utmost importance to really come back to god and and make him first in your life and be sincere and then you'll see real change now is it hard for people because i know with what we do when we cleanse a house you know of of say just just a a ghost that might have been stuck in the land. It's hard sometimes for people to not think about that ghost because you you go out there and you say, "Look, it's going to come back." If you if you think about it, you know, it's like asking it back in. Is it hard for people because I mean, having a demon attack your house is so much more violent and so much more scary than say you know somebody's dead grandfather from from like a hundred years ago. That's, and that's, that's a, it's a PTSD type of situation. So I had it myself. Um, so it's very difficult. 
because you're exactly right. There are people say, yeah, but what if? And I can't stand that when they say it, but I understand it because I was used to be one of those people. Um, yeah, but what if it comes back? And what I say to them is that I want you to trade the fear in for faith. So it is time to step out of that fear-based and trauma-based way of thinking and living into what I call warrior mode, which is faith, strength, and courage. It's not easy, but once you do it, you'll never look back and you'll say, wow, I feel a thousand pounds lighter. I also feel the protection from God over my life. And I know that God loves me and I know that God's with me and for me. Therefore, I will serve him and do my very best to honor him and please him in each and every day. Okay. Okay. Now, another question that came in, and I, I have something kind of related to it, was that, uh, you know, how can a demon stay on a piece of land? Yeah, absolutely. That's part of a power and a principality. Like waiting for the perfect storm, you know, for the right family or the, or the, or the, or the right children to come in. Because what Athena pointed out was that that house she was talking about, they had dug it up, kind of like in the movie Poltergeist, that had been over a cemetery, and they, and they wow. had dug that land up. And that's why the cemetery was on there was a cemetery on either side of the house because they were right in the middle. So, I mean, can something, yeah, can something lie in wait like that? Just, you know, they're just waiting for the right people to, you know, the right, right yeah. mindset. Absolutely. And again, that's part of the powers and principalities of darkness. Mm -hmm. And so it can be evicted. And if I were to go on that land, that's what I would do. I'd say by the mighty power of Yahweh and his mighty and holy name in Jesus name, I bind and rebuke and cast out any and all of these demonic powers and principalities at once i command you to depart you got to be authoritative and the only way that you can be really authoritative is to be in real faith because if you're in real faith you are not going to be in fear so my approach is that the strongest defense is the best offense because if god's with me and for me nothing's going to stand against me mm -hmm. so that's my approach i have to be in control i have to be fierce i have to be bold and i have to be in faith anything less than that it's failure and for me, failure is not an option. Um, so that's how I go about it. There is no, for me, there is no other way. Uh, I've seen other people and I'm not criticizing anybody, right. but their approach is more of a defensive approach. And that approach is not the way that God works through me uh, to go about this. And uh, I've also seen people hurt, uh, physically hurt uh, from these types of situations and um, that is very sad and tragic as well. Mm -hmm. um, if somebody, if you go into somebody's house, and I'm just using this as a, for instance, because I had a case a while back, um, and the people swore they were Catholic. They swore up and mm -hmm. down it was a demon. Turned out to be a poltergeist. Mm -hmm. But I remember going in, and they were so upset. They were so scared. Every room had religious icons on the walls. I'm not laughing at them. I'm just saying every room had religious icons on the walls. And I looked at them, and I said, you know, and maybe I was wrong, you know, because I am not an expert in this stuff. But I looked up and I said, you know, if this was a demon, those those icons wouldn't be up there. Yeah. And so this is where it kind of gets lost as well. Mm -hmm. I've got a bunch of Bibles. Got one right here, you know, on my desk. Um, but I don't worship them. The power that is in the Bible or other, you know, crucifix, crosses, uh, whatever. Um, the power comes from God. So when mm -hmm. we're invoking the power of God, if someone's holding a cross up mm -hmm. and saying, I bind and rebuke you, well, the power of God's coming through that. 
it's not an almighty and all-powerful thing. It is the power of God coming through it. So I'm looking to Yahweh for his power to come and work through me. And if I'm holding a cross to work through that, to be a source of power against the forces of darkness, but to, you know, put those things up and think that they are the power mm-hmm. and it's wrong. And, yeah. and I'm not criticizing anybody, but you cannot put your trust into items and artifacts. You have to put your trust into God. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's next for you? <laughs> I'm on this never ending journey of being immersed in the sufferings of others on a daily basis. I have a session coming up here at 2 a.m. with someone in Hawaii. I help people. I just had a session the other day with a person in New Delhi, India, uh, Brisbane, Australia, you name it, all these different places uh, over Eastern Europe, uh, places over there, you name it. I have, um, I believe there's uh, over 200 countries in the world or close to it. And again, I've helped people in 52 of those countries. It's unfathomable to really think about that, how God is working through me to help these people. And they find me by seeing me on shows like A Haunting. Uh, I've done some stuff with... uh, uh, Jason Halls and the Ghost Nation, a couple of those episodes, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, have some recent episodes out there with Jack Osborne to the uh, Fright Club, Jack Osborne and the Ghost Brothers. Um, so people see me on TV or they might hear me on Coast to Coast. I'm uh, a regular on Coast to Coast sure. with George Norrie. And uh, so people either see me or hear me and then they contact me and then I get them booked and I'm always very busy. I have a waiting list of people, but God always works through me to be able to navigate this as well in getting to everybody. So I do a lot of late night sessions. I don't get to bed um, most times before 6 a.m., sometimes 6.30 a.m. every morning. Um, So that's when my day ends, and it'll be the same this morning as well. So uh, it's nonstop. It's almost like a 24-7 operation, and I'm not complaining. I praise God for working through me to help people. But that just shows you how many people are in need and and so many that are suffering. And so I'm thankful just to be an agent for God that he can work through uh, to help these people. So that's always objective, number one, because if I'm keeping God first and serving him, well, then I must serve my fellow man as well. And that's what I do. And I thank God for it. I'm probably going to end up here. And I always wait for God to put this on me, but I'm sure there will be a 10th book. Don't even know what it'll be about. Um, I will let God determine that. And and when that right time comes along, that's what I'll do. But right now, I'm very thankful for this book, Purge, and the uh, tremendous positive feedback that I'm getting from that book. So I'm very, very thankful that God worked through me to create something that is a blessing to people. Fantastic. And I'm so glad you came on my show. Well, I look forward to coming back with you again, Charlotte. I would we'll come love back to for have you part on two. again. Yeah, there's, there's always more to talk about. That's Absolutely. for sure. There's so much more to talk about, you know. And I know from my experience being out in the field, as long as we have for 25 years with this team, I've run into things that are, are, are you know, there's ghosts and then they're spooky. <laughs> and then they're scary. So I run into scary and spooky. So, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from. The last question I had for you was, and I know this happened, has happened to me sometimes where I'll be out on the field. I could feel something go through me and then I'm exhausted for two days. Well, I could tell you this. Um, I felt 
one time in my career that I could think of off the top of my head, and I have dealt with demons, uh, physical demons and, and uh, voice manifestations as well. But one time in my career, I'll never, ever forget it. I was in this man's home uh, in Detroit and uh, sitting at the table, just the two of us. And I felt something brush across my leg, like how a cat or something would come and rub up against your leg or something. And uh, that had, that was the one time that I'll never, ever forget that. And he didn't have any pets. So it was just he and I in the house. And uh, I will never, ever forget that. But um, there have been times where I've come out of exorcisms, especially if I've been there for eight or 10 hours, um, just absolutely exhausted. And I recall one time uh, driving to a diner in New Jersey and just having my head in my hands, trying to just praying that God would give me some energy back to where I could just get in my vehicle and drive home. Uh, just absolutely shot another time in Hazard, Kentucky. Uh, I think I visited like, was it seven cities in three days? Just unbelievable. And all these people needed help. And I ended up in this church on top of a mountain in Hazard, Kentucky, snowing out ice. And I get there and I performed probably 50 deliverances for people that night who were lining up down the aisles, uh, down the aisle coming to me. And um, I remember leaving there. I went to a Waffle House nearby and was so exhausted. Again, I was just praying that God would help me to get the energy to be able to get in my vehicle. And I drove, I don't know, 10 or more hours, 11 hours home from there. And it was a miracle that I was able to get in my vehicle and drive from there to get back home. But uh, those are just a couple of examples of the just uh, sheer exhaustion from these types of things. But God always recharges me. He always has me ready for the next one. And I thank him and praise him for it. Absolutely. I have a question in the chat room that just came in. And a friend of mine was given a message by her daughter in a dream, I guess in a dream, and, and mm -hmm. told her that uh, God, that that she had a curse on her. How, how can she find out? Well, if she's having a dream like that and getting a message, then um, perhaps it's true. And, and if it is, you know, a, a friend or loved one coming back and saying something like that, well, then I believe it's a warning. So I would say to that person, they should reach out to me or somebody else, somebody like me, um, to have that removed okay. immediately. Oh, she said that some her daughter was in the store and some random lady walked up to her and told her that she that, the, that her mother had a curse on her. Well, if it's something like that. Um, now here's this sketchy thing about that is that a random person that would do something like that could have placed the curse on the, that person themselves, because that's why the words are called curse words. If you are damning or, uh, trashing or saying something to that effect against a person, then you're cursing them. You're placing curses on them. So just the fact of that person even saying that in itself would be enough to have some form of curse placed. So I would say 
okay. to whoever this is, get it taken care of. Get, get uh, you know, again, you could contact me at BillJBean.com or if you have somebody that you know or close to you or whatever, get that person to help you. But it's very important to take action with those types of things because that can develop into a demonic stronghold and then a variety of things can start to go bad from there. Thank you so much, Bill. I would love to have you on again. This was great. There's so much, like you say, there's so much more ground to cover and talk oh, about. Oh, yeah. And and God bless you, Charlotte, and everybody out there. And I look forward to coming back next time. Just shoot me a message and we'll set a return date and okay. we'll make it happen. Sounds good. God bless you for doing the work you do to help people. Thank you, Charlotte. God bless you. And God bless everybody out there. We'll talk again and see you next time. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay, have a bye-bye. good one. Okay, well, that was that was interesting. I learned a lot too because you know we, uh, as a team, uh, you know we, we have on our questionnaire stuff about uh, demons too and dark forces. You know we, because we want to make sure we know what we're walking into when we do our questionnaires. Christina, I will um, help you out there. I'll get you in touch with somebody. Don't stress. Um, but uh, that was interesting. That's why I was trying to pick his brain about stuff that I <laughs> to make sure I didn't screw stuff up on investigations either. You know. Anyway, uh, if, if if you like the show, you're what like I said, if, if you like the show, you're watching from YouTube. Thank you for watching. Please subscribe because we have a lot of shows like this where it's really interesting and different types of guests. If you, if you go down the line on, on on our 250 shows, you'll see that we have different types of guests on. You know, it's not just old paranormal. We handle a lot of other stuff on this show, and I and I have been a paranormal investigator for almost 25 years, so I've been doing this for a long time. So I have pretty good knowledge too. But I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. And uh, tomorrow we're going to learn about Native American stuff. Dave Bender is going to be with us, and he is a medicine man. Yeah, this is your chance to pick his brains about um, Donna. Okay, everybody that was in there, Donna, Christina, Jen, Athena, Marisa, Jerry, Jen. Did I get Jen? And uh, Nikki was in tonight. I saw Nikki. Let me go back up here. Going up. Okay, yes. I had Nikki in the chat room as well. Thank you guys for coming tonight. I appreciate it. But uh, where was I? I don't know. I got lost. What else is new? But anyway, um, yeah. So I'm just gonna shut up now. Anyway, if you if you if you feel in your heart to subscribe, please do because we're looking for subscribers. Uh, YouTube shows us no love. So help us out. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We're gonna have some great guests coming up. Oh, yes, Dave Bender. That's what it was. Tomorrow is going to be, <laughs> it's one of those nights. Tomorrow is going to be Dave Bender, and he is a medicine man. And so he's going to be coming on to tell us about Native Americans and the paranormal and some of the cases he's done where he has done cleansings. I have worked with them in the past, in past, his team. And, uh, he, and I have been there when he has actually done cleansings on Native American land. So it's really an interesting thing to talk to him about. So he's going to be with us tomorrow night. So that's going to be kind of cool. Again, please subscribe to YouTube. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies for equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Uh, you want to check us out, check out the website at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. That's cool. Or you can check out our paranormal site at California Haunts Radio. California Haunts Radio. CaliforniaHaunts.org. Too much California Haunts, right? And also, uh, you see that ticker flashing across the bottom of the screen right there? That's because California Haunts takes no money to investigate. We do it to simply go out and help people and educate people. So uh, we, we uh, take donations, 
and uh, all this stuff you see here, all the equipment the team uses, all that stuff comes out of my pocket. So if you could find it in your heart to donate a little bit to help me out, to keep the show on the air and keep going, because this is what I do. I'm a journalist. I'm a photojournalist. This is what I do. I'm retired. This is my thing. Plus paranormal investigating, of course. And uh, if you could find it in your heart to help me out, because if something breaks, if the headphones break, if the mic breaks, if the clock breaks, if the you know lights break, whatever. If anything breaks or any of my other equipment breaks that I use for investigation, uh, that would be great. If you could help me out a little bit and that you could do that at paypal.me at California haunts, or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal Venmo, just type in California haunts and you're there, but I really appreciate it. I hate begging, but I mean, like I said, um, it's all out of my pocket, but I enjoy doing it. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't enjoy doing it. So yeah. Anyway, so tomorrow is another day and what I'll do is I'll put out, I'll, I'll uh, put up Mr. Beans, Mr. Bean, Mr. Bean. I'm too big right now. Let me go down. I can see what I'm doing. There we go. I'll put up Mr. Bean's information for you at his website and where you can write him or you know email him or whatever. Um, but uh, and his two books, where to get those and all that. And then I'm gonna bug out of here. But I want to thank everybody for coming tonight, and I appreciate it. And for new listeners, come on back tomorrow. It's gonna be an interesting show. All right. Well, here we go. And here's the information for Bean. Website: Bill J Bean. Dot com that's b-i-l-l-j-b-e-a-n dot com and bill being stranger than fiction number one and number two and there's purge and dark force And the books you can get, uh, one of the books is available at Amazon.com, and the, other, and the other ones are available on his website at BillJBean.com. Anyway, again, I want to thank everybody for coming, and I will see you tomorrow. Have a good night.